Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to another episode of Puck and Roll. Patrick Lorty here, back in the big seat. Feels good, feels comfy. I got my groove back here. Joined tonight, Sebastian High and Joshua Rosa. Good evening, gentlemen. Hello. Hey, hey. So we're uh, recording this on a Wednesday evening. It's currently 3-0 Boston against Montreal. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> although... The, Sebastian is uh, quite excited about the fact that Brian Marchand scored two goals. And I think it was Josh that mentioned uh, Jeff Gordon. Uh, it's one of Jeff Gordon's products, right? <laughs> he was the one being drafted by Gordon. So. <laughs> and Gordon's like six months in Boston. He got the Marchand. You know, amazing. So. <laughs> and Shara too, right? Uh, and yeah. and Savard. <laughs> like, I know, it hurts. Stop it. <laughs> at least, at least he's, he's on our side now. At least we have Gordon now. <laughs> exactly. So... It's going to be a very interesting episode. Um, I mean, we have a lot, of, uh, definitely a lot to talk about, a lot of non-Habs related topics as well, but still worth mentioning. And the first one we're going to get on real quick, and this is just hilarious at this point, and also baffling. Uh, I know, um, once again, Sebastian is getting a little emotional and rolling his eyes because he's definitely going to... I mean, like, it's... <laughs> we've been in this for like a... How... How long has it been? Since I feel like one. it just like every week it gets worse. <laughs> like every time when you think you know everything, you get a new detail where it's like, oh, he's even shittier than I thought. Cool. <laughs> and we were talking, of course, about the soap opera that is Evander Kane. Man oh. literally got on a plane a week after he tested positive for COVID. Like, come on, buddy. That's how you get your contract terminated. Like, how stupid can you be? For those, compl- for those completely out of the loop, Evander Kane finally got his, um, his um, contract terminated by the San Jose Sharks via forced waivers. And then there was rumors right off the bat that the Edmonton Oilers have been immediately in touch with them. Uh, which is the last thing they need right now, but, you know, the Oilers being the Oilers. And then we find out that, like, Sebastian just go on, <laughs> barely on the plane a week later, and he gets caught flying while positive, which is, you know, is practically a felony, at least in this province. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean... If it's uh, not, it should be. If it's not, it should be. Yeah, guys, I just want to know your opinion real quick. I mean, especially, um, oh, what the hell, man? What, what, why, why, why are people giving Kane another chance? I mean, this is one of the most polarizing figures in the history of the game. Uh, just, I know he's talented, but for crying out loud, man, like I wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pole. He is big and he score goals. That is, that is the entire thing. He's big, he can score goals, and he's good at hockey. Like, it's like, of course, he's getting another, another chance. And, like, even literally today, did, did you guys watch the McDavid interview? Or, like, like the segment from the McDavid interview? I actually Straight it. up, he was straight up asked, like, would you be okay with having Evander Kane on your team? And he's like, I will leave all, like, the controversy stuff to the media and, like, the public. And, like, you know we take the public opinion seriously, but in the end, we're here to win games. Basically mm-hmm. saying... The most important thing is what happens 
on the ice, completely like scratching the fact that Evander Kane. Okay, let, let, let's have a nice, a nice little rundown here of Evander Kane's things. Okay, so gets on a, a plane. This is a rap shit, according to Officer High. I mean, it, 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 I'm gonna miss things because there are so many. Uh, so gets on a plane a week after testing positive for COVID and possibly spreads COVID because genius fake covid vaccination certificate oh, yes. because again genius <laughs> domestic abuser <laughs> can i not like like what in the world is it with like nhl teams wanting to do this also side note as soon as mark bergervang was hired by the la kings scott wheeler tweeted out uh la kings now uh, pursuing slava voinov because of course mark bergervang would he and like course, right? the entire comment section is like no and like i i replied like the scary part is i don't know if you're trolling or not and he, he was joking but like the entire crazy part was no one knew if it was true or not because domestic abusers just get all the chances in the world if they're good at hockey so back to evander kane on top of that there was his gambling his debt just being a pretty bad person as a whole teammates hate him like he was run out of san jose because his teammates despised him and like there are a lot of pretty shitty people in hockey like it and like players too you have to be really bad to get run out of a team like how often does it happen that you get run out of a team like to be be honest though i mean you know if he was if if he was if he was an nfl player he'd be considered tame so Do you really want to set the bar at the NFL, though? <laughs> ah, well, good. Josh, I mean, I mean you're, you're, you're general manager. Evander King gets bought out. I mean, even with his rap sheet, do you actually give the guy a chance, or you're like, no way, Jose? Like, what's your what's your what's your take on it? Let's just say I wouldn't be surprised if Evander King took off his jersey, and all his pads, and skated off in the middle of the play or something. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. I mean, he's the uh, he's the NHL's answer to Antonio Brown at this point. Of course, if you don't know if football, Antonio Brown's been maybe worse than Kane. He's been quite something. And both in his last... Yeah, they're he's, both he's awful. Got, they're, and they both have issues, man. It's just yeah. Oh, definitely. Hey, you guys, you guys I'm not touching them. No, no, no. We don't touch no. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If, if, if it weren't clear, I, I wouldn't touch him either. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, <laughs> hey, let's t- let's stay in the controversial topic uh, and um, mention the fact that uh, Logan Mayu is finally playing uh, hockey. Scored a couple mm-hmm. of goals, too much to everyone's dismay. Uh, Josh, I want uh, I want your opinion on it. I mean, it, are we finally moving on from this whole saga, or are we still angry at this? Well, my problem is that I've been maybe not keeping the close eye on it as other people but i haven't seen anything about what he's done to change anything from the start of the um you would think that if he actually did something that that would be really a great media for the league and the player and everything to say that he's reformed and everything and that he's actually done something to help people that have suffered in this uh way but there's been absolutely nothing. They just announced that he's come back, that they feel that he's remorseful about the action, and he might be, but it would generally be a perfect time to show some actions, show what you can do to help people in these situations. But it's just nothing, which makes me think that nothing's changed from the start of the season. I wonder why... Why come back? Why now? What's changed? And it seems well, like I'm, nothing. I, I was guessing something changed. He must have had like had the education that we were promised that he was going to get. But I mean, are we? Ooh, can really... I? Can I? Oh, can no, no, I come I'm, in right there? I'm, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you interject all you want in, in a second, Sam. But like, are we? Do we really want to use him as the poster child for this? Like, we want to make him make him the example. Make him, you know, have the sign around his neck, being like, "I'm a douchebag." Like, come on, like. At the end of the day, he's still a teenager, you know. Yes, at 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 the same time, look the the way the way I see it is that playing professional or high level hockey 
it's not a right, right? Like it, it, it's, it's a privilege. It's something that, that, that can be taken away. Just like, like if, if someone would have done the things that Mayu did at like a tenured position as a professor at a university, they would have been fired, right? Like, cause again, you're not, you're not entitled to it, right? Like actions have consequences. And uh, like the thing that I think frustrates me the absolute most with how the situation is being handled by everyone, uh, be it, uh, Mayu himself, the OHL, the London Knights, the Montreal Canadiens, the NHL, everything, just hockey as a whole, is that there's no clear idea of like, of like, yes, it, it, everyone stated like, we need to reform him, he needs to learn from his actions, but there was never a clear plan to it, right? Like, in, in, in the OHL statement that said what, uh, what like, Mayu has done uh, to like, to like, come back is that he took multiple courses so here this is like verbatim the actual statement some of the certifications and programs available to athletes that Mayu completed were respect in sport mental health in sport sport media ethics in sport diversity and inclusion sports psychology and cultural awareness those are all important things to know (laughs) Uh, but also note that a single one of those programs mentions women consent or privacy Mm, that is an issue that is an issue because his entire thing was issues around respecting women around respecting consent and privacy and like he has not shown he's not gone through programs that address that he has also like look i'm assuming he has not yet fully apologized to his victim because if he had the OHL, the London Knights, Montreal Canadiens would have all used that as reasoning to like justify him returning to play, right? That would be their big building block of this is him having reformed. He sent like a really eloquent apology because it's the only thing his victim asked for. No, there's nothing else. There, there was nothing like, I don't think he deserves to play hockey. Nothing that was vindictive. It was literally just, I want a genuine apology. And he has not given that to her yet. And that's my issue with it. I don't think he should be back playing right now. And it frustrates me a lot that so much of like Habs Twitter and just Habs fan in general are now like treating him as this hero. You're getting like my euphanic accounts everywhere. And it's just really frustrating as a hockey fan. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to agree on that, on, on that front though, because it's that he's, he made it in that elite citizen status almost that every athlete or celebrity seems to get, you know. Um, of exactly. course, there, there are exceptions to the rules. Like when you're going to get a Kevin Spacey, for example, who, who no longer has a career, albeit him being a brilliant actor, but hey, like he's paying for his crime, so to speak. But I mean, it's it's ridiculous. How many players, like just just in the sports world alone, how many players do you know who have done even worse things? Oh, for sure. And for sure. Like if I, like I would have done like it, Evander Kane. Done it, like we'd be in jail right now. Yeah, exactly know, so. like evander kane there are so many instances like slava voinov evander kane allegations against patrick kane that were massive right yeah, yeah, yeah. all these different things just in hockey and then if you go in the sports world overall so many people would be imprisoned let alone still be playing professionally yeah. and we, we hold them to these different standards when in reality they're, they're just people right and yeah. they're they're like the things that, that that they do badly are just as bad and it's just it's it's frustrating to just see these people being treated so differently just because of their their more elite status and yeah. I'm gonna piggyback on uh, Slava Voinov and uh, pass the puck to Josh. Uh, our uh, good old friend Bergy is uh, now part of the uh, LA Kings as a, in a consultant role, uh, and uh, a lot of people thought it's like oh well maybe he's gonna be taking over the general manager spot because Rob Blake's contract is about to run up. Ah, error. Rob Blake just resigned for I think four years. Um, and now the the more interesting part of this uh, hiring is that uh, Bergevin has been instructed that he will not be speaking to any media. I don't know what that what that's all about. I'm guessing you know it might be part of the consultant, uh, you know, being the role of a consultant, so to speak. But I mean, is this just a springboard for him to eventually become general manager of another team? I mean, we know the Anaheim Ducks are looking for a GM. Um, the Blackhawks are still looking for a GM, even though everyone's like, ah, he's not going to go. I don't know. In my opinion, I still think Bergie's going to Chicago. That would be a match made in heaven. Oh, freak. I, or hell, sorry. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. But Josh, I want your opinion on this whole uh, on this whole situation, even though, uh, I mean, Jeff Molson's probably happy because he's saving about half a million dollars for the rest of the year. But uh, your take, sir. 
I think uh, that the consultant label is pretty perfect for Bergevin so that you can talk to him about making trades and and everything he has to say about drafting and uh, developing players because that's where his strength lies. He's really good at making trades at the time. And uh, as we've seen in Montreal, he's not so great at picking up talent through the draft and developing it very well. There's there's always going to be a... Uh, market for Bergevin because he's not. We'd be lying to say if he's not a. He's not a terrible GM. He's has his faults, but he also has some pretty good strengths with, say, the trades. He's been able to find some really good uh, selling trades in the past, picking up Dano and Romanov picks for Romanov. He's really good at doing that. Nick Suzuki, another one. So there's always going to be the market for it. Uh, I just don't know right now. It seems like this is a good kind of uh, relaxing from the high strain of the Montreal media and the whole situation and culture around Montreal being so big and focused that he can just kind of ease himself in. And I think if he wants another general manager job, he's not going to have trouble finding it. Yeah, I mean, like, regardless of, of any way uh, you want to spin it, I mean, like, the Montreal culture or whatever has been, you know, it's, it's just, it's it's tough, you know? Like, the media is just uh, is really demanding. The, um, uh, the the fans are extremely demanding as well. I mean, you've seen, you know, like, uh, a lot of, like, players, even player wives, like Angela Price has always been vocal about the people here and stuff like that. Uh, Jake Allen's... Um, uh, agent actually uh, came out just yesterday. Uh, I don't know what his name is. He actually he might mention how like the the Montreal environment is so toxic. You know, everyone is choking me. Like you know, you just you're you're, you're instantly a celebrity, and, you, and you're and you get the paparazzi's all over you like automatically and everything. So maybe yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it is it was his own request not to be exposed to that. Or well, you know, he is backed up by his good friend the Garobitai. So I mean that that could that could be. It could be a thing as well, but uh, you know what? I think we're going to expand a little bit on um, that non-Habs related news, so to speak. I do want to mention uh, real quick. Um, we have we learned this a little earlier about Eric Stahl signing a PTO with uh, the Iowa Wild, and uh, he actually has no interest in playing for uh, in the AHL. Sebastian, you, uh, we're hearing that he actually. It's basically his own training camp because he wants to he wants to go to the Olympics. Yeah, and honestly, it'd be a really nice storyline just to see Eric Stahl kind of finish off his career with another Olympics after having participated like most prominently in the 2010 Olympics. And yeah, it's it's a nice storyline of like in, in terms of like end of like if his hockey career is in fact over after the Olympics, mm-hmm. that's quite the end of a career, isn't it? Like like his yep. entire career has been pretty prestigious, but to, to end it off with this glorious underdog cup run and an Olympics. That's that's about as good as it gets, isn't it? Like the only thing that would have made it any better would have been if Montreal had beaten Tampa Bay. But like again, he's already won a cup. So like he he had that one massive run there right at the end. And his regular season with the Habs was pretty bad, but in the playoffs he played well and he was a leader. Yeah. He was. And and he'll be the exact same thing on the Olympic team of the leader, he will be a mentor because a lot of the team is probably going to be very young. Uh, like like Owen Power is going to be on that team. Mason McTavish is probably going to be on that team. Mm-hmm. It probably won't be as young as the American team. And the Americans, like like Bobby Ryan, didn't make that team because they're going all out young. Like like uh, like they're they're going with yeah, right. uh, Brendan Brisson as well, right? I, I would assume Shane Wright is also in competition yeah. there for Canada, but like for the U S like also Habs prospect, Sean Farrell is in the mix Sean for Farrell, the Olympic sorry. team, yeah. which would be, would be super exciting. Right. Like yeah. as a, like just as, as Habs fans to have Olympic representation. Also, I, I would assume Caden Gooley is in the mix for the Canadian Olympic oh, team as well. I, I think his name has been floated around. Yeah. Uh, so it, it'll definitely be fun to kind of get, like, it won't be a world juniors because it, it's obviously not a junior competition, but to have like the Habs world junior players in the actual Olympics, which is pretty yeah. fun. Yeah, pretty and, cool. and like, we never actually got to see Sean Farrell at the, uh, 
at, at the World Juniors uh, because he just never made the team. Yeah, getting him on that international stage is going to be massive for him. But yeah. getting him at the Olympics, that's going to be yeah, so much fun so because cool. I'm a huge fan of, of Sean Farrell. Thank you for saying Sean. I, I said Shane Rebbett. I meant Sean Farrell. Thank you for uh, jumping on that. One last uh, topic, boys, before we, uh, we move on. Um, Tomorrow is, uh, being Thursday, the Minister of Finance of Quebec is actually having a meeting with both Gary Bettman and Bill Daly. The topic of conversation is going to be the return of the Nordiques. Now, this is something we've discussed last summer. And um, now there's, there's some numbers that are being, uh, being thrown around. Like, for example, there's a billion-dollar price tag, apparently, being put up in order to get a team back in Quebec. Uh, Josh, is this actually going to happen, or is this as much of a pipe dream as the Expo coming back to Montreal? I think it's more likely than the, the expos, but especially in the pandemic right now, justifying so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, justifying a billion dollars on a team during the pandemic when the isn't this the worst time economy ever so low? It's the it's, it's you the can pick a worse oh, what time. Can we say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> End of conversation. All right, let's move on, guys. <laughs> So we went we went a bit a little bit around the NHL. Now we're going to focus a little bit more on the Habs. There's a couple of topics that need to be discussed. The first, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some new players that are both with the Rocket and with, and with the Habs, and then we're going to talk about a little bit about the general manager search. Announced earlier today was the uh, waiver claim of one Rem Pitlick uh, from the uh, Minnesota Wild. And also, um, I know Scott was wanted to mention this, but unfortunately, he's not available today for the show. Um, Devante smith Pelly signed a PTO with the Laval Rocket. I mean, that's a pretty cool story on, on his own, given that he's only, what, 26 years old or something? And he still wants to carve his... 29. Back. 29. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I inversed the six. So I was looking at uh, upside down. Um, <laughs> giving you a visual while I'm recording. Upside down. And um, we... Uh, yeah. I mean, like the guy is still young and he still has a chance to come back to the NHL and everything. Uh, but I mean, you know, Smith Pelly, cool story. I mean, wishing him the best of luck. And also like we... We all remember his exit interview where he was bawling his eyes out, you know, knowing that he got traded. Uh, that was heartbreaking. That was, was so sad. I absolutely hate seeing players, you know, being emotional after they get traded, for, like, you know, I mean, or let like, go from a team that they love. But the big yeah. story, and this is uh, where Sebastian is going to come in, uh, Rem Pitlick um, from the Minnesota Wild, having actually a pretty decent season, as a matter of fact. Uh, before he was it's an interesting player, season. Yeah, it was really interesting. So uh, how about you give it, put, up, uh, put us up to speed uh, as to a little bit as to who he is? So uh, Rem Pitlick is now immediately tied for third in goal scoring with the Montreal Canadiens, um, which is very depressing. Uh, he's only he, he's tied with Drouin on six goals uh, behind Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson, who both have seven. Um, however, there's a big asterisk that's next to his six goals, and it's not empty netters. It's the fact that he scored six goals on 13 shots. He's, he's, he's shooting at like 48%. So like, so like, again, it screams unsustainable. He, he is a solid fourth liner. So like, d- don't think because he's on pace for like 45 points that he's going to be that kind of player because he's not, but he's solid. And it's a really nice storyline because the Montreal Canadiens now have two brothers in the organization at the same time for the first time since the Costitsons, which is amazing. And uh, so Rem Pitlick's brother, Rhett Pitlick, uh, is, was a Montreal Canadiens draft pick in 2019, a fifth rounder, who uh, was only playing the USHL up until this season. This season, he, he went off to college, and uh, he has put up seven assists, no goals, but seven assists in 15 games. And uh, he is one of the absolute favorites of friend of the podcast, Will Scout, who we had on yeah. a couple months ago. Yeah. He was his example as like one of the players that he would absolutely go to bat for. He just loves his playing style of high octane, um, just fun and chaos, despite being smaller. And uh, Rem Pitlick has some of the ha- has some similarities. He's not as fast, but uh, other aspects of his game are a bit more refined. Um, Again, like he he drives offense and defense at a like an NHL average rate. He's just he's a solid fourth line guy. Like you you can't say too much about it, we'll but like both the wing and center at the same time, and so. he can play center, which is a very big thing. And he's it's kind of just like Montreal lost Adam Brooks 
to, to waivers after they picked him up on waivers earlier this season. This is kind of just a similar thing of a relatively young player yep. um, who has had some very good production in very small minutes mm-hmm. and who's probably going to be a fourth line center. It's, it, it's a very similar storyline, uh, but hopefully Zuschalm is going to give him more opportunities than he gave Adam Brooks. And he probably will because uh, the Montreal's, line, Montreal's lineup is uh, decimated, decimated, uh, <laughs> unlike it was earlier this season. So solid, solid pickup. I, I saw him on waivers yesterday and it was like, that'd be a fun storyline if Montreal picked him up. And they did. So and I'm happy did. to see it. Yeah, it's good. I- they did, and also it's, a, it's being reported more and more that a lot of teams were actually uh, uh, willing to put a claim on it, but then Montreal. Oh, for sure. Did, so. I mean, a 24-year-old centerman who put who's put up 11 points in 20 games, he's he's getting picked he's off got, of waivers. He's got an amazing rap sheet as well, and when he was playing in both the University of Minnesota and in the USHL as well. So, exactly. So the, the, teammates love him. Like he's a solid fourth line guy. Zero risk on on that front. Josh, he can uh, easily be flipped for a draft pick at the, at the deadline too. So worst, worst I like scenario. it. Josh, um, this is actually something that uh, that kind of just happened earlier um, while we were at the corner of an eye watching uh, Boston decimate like the Canadians. I mean, it's still three nothing in the second period for crying out loud. Um, Jake Allen got injured, and uh, they brought in Samuel Montembeau, who let in a goal within like six seconds, courtesy of Christian Dvorak, our best friend. <laughs> What's the uh... Oh man, I know, I know. You're getting depressed just just thinking about it. I get you, buddy. But I mean, what's the goalie situation looking like? I mean, uh, at this point, why are we hanging on to Montembeau so hard? Uh, and also, if this is a big if, okay, let's assume Carey Price is not going to stick around. Uh, let's assume Jake Allen is not going to stick stick around as well. I mean, is Caden Primo actually ready for prime time? From what we've seen in the last you know, his last couple of appearances or under Price and Allen were just totally screwed because I'm sorry, but Michael McNevin is not going to cut it for me. <laughs> I think that's why we've been hanging on to Montembeau so much is that we don't want to throw Primo right into there so quickly because I don't think he's ready yet. He might be next year for a backup role, but if that, I think that would have to be a heavy like carry price type workload where he comes in and helps out every few games but i don't he's not there yet and i've kind of i've stated in a public forum elsewhere that i don't know if carry price is going to come back this season mm. it seems like every day that goes by it seems less and less likely that we're even going to see him at all this season yeah uh and i think it feels to me a lot like that year um 2014-15 where he played like 10 games and then got hurt and then just kept getting back and pushed back and pushed back yeah yeah yeah. i mean i could see montreal trying to do something next year like a price primo uh pairing trying to give price a heavier workload and trying to bring primo up steadily but outside of that like I don't think I think Jake Allen's gonna get moved at the deadline possibly. Um, I and then it's just gonna be if they want to bring in if they don't think Primos they're gonna have to bring in some one goalie contract and we all know how great those turned out with me and Motembo and Keith Kincaid and all those just oh. never work out. So or a uh, year two of anti Niemi. Uh, what's oh. our, what's our, um, I mean, the, the thing, the thing with the goalie situation though, is that we're, we quickly dismiss them. And, uh, but I mean, is it again, a, an issue of goalie development, uh, or player development for that matter, or are we just missing the boat on, uh, on, uh, on talent directly? Because obviously I think you guys know where I'm going with this. Zach Lucali in Washington has just been lights out. I mean, Sebastian, like, is it? Like, did we just miss the boat on Pukali or we're not developing properly? I mean, what's the story, Wishbone? I mean, I would argue that Montreal dropped, maybe not not dropped the ball, but maybe it's more to blame around the uh, Charlie Lindgren situation rather than the Zach Fukale one. So, like, Fukale was a player that put up amazing numbers in the queue uh, on a team with uh, Trouin and um, Nathan McKinnon. Um, and he... 
his, his numbers in the Habs organization just were never great. Um, they, 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 they probably should have still given him a shot, but they didn't and they lost him. and no NHL team picked him up for like four years. So it's not really, I wouldn't say that the onus is completely on the Habs for, the, for Fukale because no NHL team gave him a shot for four years, right? It's not, not just Montreal that, that, that gave him up. Uh, whereas with Charlie Lindgren, that's a player that always performed pretty well when uh, he had time with the Habs and they let him go, uh, which I thought was okay, but now he's excelling in St. Louis and he's, he, I think he currently has a like 1.22 goals against average to like six games. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so uh, again, so just he's like, lo- he's the- looking like rookie Jim Carrey all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah it's it's nuts anyways um but goalies are weird right like yeah. you, you always have some goalies like like look at look at Bobrovsky this season Bobrovsky. why is he good now yes. why is he good now I don't know goalies are weird I, got, I don't get it he got his badge back it's that simple I mean come on. yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey guys at the same time um now let's let's just end, it, end this uh little segment with uh oh come on it's it's the hot topic of course I mean we're still searching for our general manager uh, I know we left last episode mentioning that Patrick Waugh got a, uh, an interview, uh, much to the dismay of many and much to the <laughs> excitement of others. Um, Renaud Lavoie, who's always very um, reliable. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect intended. Um, has mentioned that we're down to three candidates. And I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, I, I still, you know, we don't know exactly what the process is. We don't know who's being interviewed. We don't know what's going on. But, um, I mean, the names that are starting to come out are, you know, are getting thinner. Like, the list is getting smaller and smaller. I still think Mathieu Darche is going to be the next general manager. That, that was my pick since the beginning, just because of the uh, experience he has with Tampa Bay, and also because, I mean, he fits perfectly in that mold that Jeff Gordon is looking for being like, you're going to be the relay, you're going to be our yes man, you're going to be the face of the media and everything and I'm pretty much going to be doing the bulk of the job uh, which I don't think are roles that guys like Roberto Luongo or Daniel Briar or even Patrick White is willing to uh, to take um, predictions, hot takes so who's the next general manager? I say Matthew Dash. Okay, for the fun of it, I'll, I'll go with uh, Luongo. I think that would be so entertaining. Uh, he's he's such a character, right? I love him. I love him. He, he's so entertaining. Plus, he might really want to jump ship from Florida after experiencing what he experienced last night in the press box. Maybe. Maybe. What the hell, man? Kodak Black. That was... Oh, I, I, I've, I have not seen many crazier things happen in hockey than that. That was... Nuts. Oh, I'm sorry. Not, not, sure. not the right word, but yeah. <laughs> pretty sure Josh has some better moves than Kodak Black for that matter, right? <laughs> yeah, but Luongo will be fun. And who knows? He, he might actually want to come here. It's more just like I, I know that like he's really entrenched in Florida with his entire family. He's still taking the interview, so who knows? I you think Dash is that- probably the most likely, but... You never know because we said the same thing about Marc Bergevin back in the days. He was totally entrenched in Chicago. He's not sure. going anywhere and his family is there. And the next thing you know, he becomes to Montreal. Josh, your take. Who's the next Habs general manager? And if you say, and if you say Réjean Hull, I'm firing you on the spot. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, Patrick Roy would be the most entertaining, I think. Of the, <laughs> um, I could, could see him like climbing across me. the press boxes to try and fight the opponent's GM, like he did with uh, <laughs> was it Anaheim? Was pushing down the glass to go fight? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he'd be the most entertaining. Um, it, would, it would be a soap opera just to see like him fighting for more control with Gorton wanting to still have a role in the oh team. My oh my god. I also just got distracted because Boston just scored a shorthand goal. Yeah. But I will note, I will note Montreal, they finally tuned into something on the power play. They have Cole Caulfield and Mike Hoffman on the same units. They have actually two one-timer threats on one unit, and that makes me happy. Also, uh, do you want more good news about that shorthanded goal? No. It was scored as a hat-trick goal. 
by oh, Brad Marchand. Come on, man, get out of here. <laughs> this is get pain. This is this is this is pain. Yeah, but at least what's pain, what's pain is that I'm still seeing Ben Sherrod on the power play. But anyway, uh, okay. So Josh, your pick is Patrick. Is, Patrick is, is a what for real? It's not. It would be fun, but uh, Darsh is obviously the most likely. I don't know how much control he had over there with uh, Julian Brisa and uh, the Lightning, but what the Lightning have been able to do is just very impressive. So it's hard to not pick him. I had a family member who told me one of the most entertaining things uh, would be to see a wise general manager and Bob Hartley as coach. Um, oh. The ratings would be sky high just for that show. Wow. I despise Bob Hartley as a coach, but I mean, <laughs> come on. That would be fun. Yeah. That, that would rival any TV show. <laughs> oh, my God. And I am also a bit, like, rooting a little bit for Mahdouni. I If he gets the job, I'm going to be really happy. Like, I, oh, yeah. I like him a lot. That would be pretty cool, but it would also be... Uh... Be interesting that we're that we're pickpocketing RDS with two people. So yeah, be, well, that's, that's it'd be cool. a trend. Look, I would pay to have P- uh, Pierre Oud as like just a regular, just like talk to the media instead of the coach or GM guy. Like, yes, all day, every day, please give that to me. When Michel Lacroix finally retires, he should be the home the home ice announcer. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he should. He would be, be amazing so. at amazing voice. <laughs> That'd be pretty amazing. On uh, all right, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess we'll see. I mean, you know, there's still a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of hockey to be played, a lot of time. But I mean, like, obviously, you know, we're in mid-January. Um, you know, it's minus thirty over here in Montreal. <laughs> you know, but uh, I mean, everything is heating up. I mean, we're we need a gentleman's race up because we need to start selling those assets. Because I mean, we got some uh, interesting prospects uh, that are available to us, and that's what we're going to be talking about next. The Prospect Heroes, Scott and Sebastian on Puck and Roll. Seriously, I'm never going to sing again. I'm sorry, guys. Sebastian, hi. How's it going? It's going pretty well. <laughs> apart <laughs> from the 4 nothing Boston game. Oh, no, leave, the game alone. leave the game alone. Okay? You know what? No more NHL talk. We're gonna talk <laughs> <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about prospects. We're getting into that exciting time of the year where everyone is starting to release their winter lists. We are getting closer and closer to the midpoint of the season, even though there's certain leagues that don't even have a season going on right now. We're just talking about the Q as a, as a prime example. You, though, have been compiling a list since the beginning of the season as to who your uh, top prospects are. And um, very interestingly enough, um, I'm going to read out your top five and your one to five. And I would like to know as your logic behind this ranking because it's a little bit different from what the so-called <clears throat> experts are talking about. So number one, it's Simok. It's the consent. It's the general consensus. You got Shane Wright at number one. I, I definitely agree with that. You have Brad Lambert at number two. Number three, Matthew Savoie. Simon Nemec. Uh, Simon Nemec at number four. Logan Cooley, number five. Joaquin K- I'm sorry about that. Joaquin Kamel. Kemmel. Kemmel. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I was got distracted i'll be honest with you um is at number six just to just just to me- just to mention who's right on, under that but right La- lambert savoie nemec and cooley as your top five curious to know why yeah well so so shane wright is an interesting one because a lot of people have been like I guess disappointed with this play because he hasn't been as electrifying offensively um, as he was two seasons ago. Uh, and uh, unlike Michael Pozzetta, who just scored a beautiful turnaround, like, like spinorama goal to make it 4-1 in this game. Uh, but unlike Pozzetta, Shane Wright does have first line upside. And uh, I like him a lot because he is a very... Okay. Do you guys remember... Um, what happened after the Patrick trade 
and what Montreal told Nick Suzuki to do in his final junior season. What the Habs said was, go back to junior. Instead of playing how you're playing right now, play a pro-ready game. Right. Play, like, always play defensively. Don't cut the corners that you can cut in junior because mm-hmm. you won't be able to get away with that in the pros. And it's going to well, make your transition a lot faster. Play like a pro, basically. Play like a pro. Yeah. Fast forward a year, Nick Suzuki is Montreal's first-line centerman. Mm. Shane Wright is doing that on his own this season. He might have advisors that telling him to do this, but he's doing that on his own of he is not cutting any corners. He is playing a solid defensive game. Uh, he is active in transition, mainly as a guy who he springs transition. He, he's not like the puck carrier, but he, he's not the fastest person. Like he's, he's, he's not like super quick, like other people in this list. Uh, but he springs transition and he arrives in the offensive zone as, as the third forward in and he's there as a shooting threat. So he, he drifts down into the slot and he, he's there for the shooting threat and he can shoot the puck. He is, he has a tremendous release. He has the best shot in this entire draft class. And he, again, first line upside, first power play upside. I, I I'm a fan of him because he does everything well. Is he the player that people were maybe hoping for after his ridiculous draft minus two season maybe not like he's like after that season people were thinking oh the next austin matthews or all these like unjust comparisons that no one can ever really live up to but shane wright he like like the comparisons that he's getting by people like prominent like public scouts are like a jonathan taze type of game an andre kopitar type of game and that's what i see more as well of you He's maybe not the person that like excels on his own on a line. But the thing is, in Montreal, he wouldn't have to. He would have a Cole Caulfield literally just like attached to his hip because those two would work tremendously together. Caulfield brings that pace that uh, that he would need. They are both uh, they both have great shots, but both have underrated playmaking as well. So Shane Wright is for me still the de facto number one. I don't think I'm going to take him away from that spot. But again, the the difference is not. As, as I expected it to be coming into the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, then my number two is an interesting one. It's Brad Lambert, who a lot of people have at like 10 or 15 because he has six points in 25 or 26 games in yeah, the league. 24, 24 uh, games, two goals, four assists, six points. Exactly. Whopping 31 penalty minutes as well. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know where that came from. It may have been a couple majors like of one game with like 12 penalty minutes, but... Oh, um, but Brad Lambert is tailor-made for modern hockey. Yeah. He just is. He yeah. he has tremendous skill. He is, is probably one of the fastest players in this entire draft class. And he can do things at that speed. Some yeah. players have the speed and don't really know how to use it to their best effects, right? Like, like McDavid is the prime example of how you use speed effectively in the NHL. Yeah. Lambert, obviously not making any McDavid comparisons here because that's just, that would not be fair at all. But um, Brad Lambert can execute high level moves at high speeds. He uses his speed intelligently to open space for teammates. Uh, He is probably the best player in this entire draft class in transition of getting zone entries. Like he does it so easily against pros. Again, this was against, this is in Europe with bigger ice surfaces and stuff. And like, it's easier just to to get zone entries for that reason. But it looks so translatable to me. And I think that uh, because of his poor point production against the pros, especially compared to his teammate, uh, Joachim Kamel, he's going to slip in the draft compared to where I think he deserves to go and should go. He might, he might might slip uh, definitely. But, but the thing is with a guy like Lambert is that he plays in a league where, you know, the talent is, is a little bit above him. For, for man, sure, right? he's like he's, he's a boy amongst men, and for sure, he, and he's still playing like second line minutes. Exactly. He's still playing exactly. He's still he's playing big minutes. He is playing well. I, I I've been impressed with every viewing I've had of him, and again, he's he's look European players always fall in the draft. European, yeah, exactly. They always do. Those exact words. Europe always do. They always fall because uh, take into consideration, Sebastian, is that. If you're going on elite prospects or, or hockey DB or whatever, you're going to be like, wow, wow, he's always got six, six goals, yep. six points in 24 games. He's got 15 points in 46 games last year. Like, what's so big about yep. him and everything? 
is that it's one of those situations where if you don't watch the games, you won't know. Hugely. You won't know because it's, 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 it just goes beyond statistics. And that's why you have a guy like Bob McKenzie who ranks him at number three, but Craig Button is ranking him at 17. Dauber Prospects exactly. actually says 13, but you got, you know, like Puck Authority is going at six, you know? And I think Will Scouch actually had him pretty high on his list. Of- Will Scouch has him at two as well, if at I'm not two. mistaken. Exactly. So, you yeah. know, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm just as high as Scouch is on him. You know, um, so, he, so the same yeah. thing can be said even like for Sweden. Look, look at Norlander, for example. You know, Nor- uh, Norlander dropped, dropped, dropped quite a bit. And then. And he went undrafted in his first year. He went undrafted in his first year. And I'm sorry, man, but I'm looking, I, I watched the games with Norlander and he didn't look out of place at all. You know, like this nope. is a future NHL. NHL, NHL oh, my goodness, an NHL <laughs> boys and girls. <laughs> yeah, and like, like honestly, like I, I'm a big fan of of drafting for European players, and you see some teams that do it tremendously well. Like the Detroit Red Wings have one of the best scouts in the league, and and it's their Swedish scout, yeah. and like they just listen to them like for two picks every single draft. And they're just like, okay, pick your guy. Right, and that's why the Red Wings have picked so many Swedes over the past couple seasons. So if you go back to 2019, you see names like Albert Johansson, Alvin Greva, that Elmer Söderblom, Gustav Berglund. Right, all these are Swedish players that they got from their one scout. And then in 2020, you have uh, William Wallinder, Theodor Niederbach, and of course. Fourth overall, Lucas Raymond, who's broken out this season. So the top three picks in that draft were all from their Swedish scout. And then this season, their top pick again, Simon Edvinson, their Swedish scout. And then later in the draft, you have a name like Liam Dower Nielsen, who is a very interesting prospect. So, yeah, so so going European, I think, is always a smart decision because the bang for your buck for the draft pick is always a bit better than if you go North American. Because also, look, teams are based here in North America. And all the players are basically playing junior, so higher point productions looks good. It's easier to get to, which is better. But yeah, U- European is always a pretty good bet for me. All right, let's do some rapid fires real quick uh, for the for the last three guys. Uh, Sebastian Matthew Savoie out of Winnipeg, uh, Simon Nemec out of HK Nitra in Slovakia, Logan Cooley in the USHL program, who I am actually pretty high on. So um, your your thoughts on those on those three really quick. Okay, uh, Savoie is undersized, quick, gritty. Uh, plays a pretty physical, plays a more physical game than his six foot three teammate, uh, uh, Connor Geeky. Um, he has some issues of only producing on the power play. Uh, basically, like he's not like he's first in the WHL in points, but he's far from first in even strength points. That's an issue. Um, there are just some like. If he has time and space, he is one of the most dangerous players in the entire draft class. His issue is is creating things when he doesn't have that time and space that he won't have at the NHL level. So that's the concern, which is why I dropped him down to three from where he previously was at two on my list. But high high ceiling, but again, just some concerns. Uh, Simon Nemec is my favorite defenseman in this entire draft class. He's putting up a lot of points against pro competition in Slovakia. He is actually outpacing Brad Clark for points in uh, the Slovakian Pro League. Uh, which Brian Clark set the, the record for under 20 defensemen last season. Nemec is currently on pace for breaking that record, barely, but still. And he is very good defensively. He's a very solid player all around. Probably after Wright has like the highest floor in the, in the entire draft class in terms of just, he's going to be a top four defenseman, like no question. Que- the question is, can he be like a, a top two or even first defenseman? That I, I don't know yet but I've liked him a lot with every viewing. He plays good offensively, solid defensively, good in transition. I like him a lot. Logan Cooley. uh, I talked a bit about him last episode. Um, He is a playmaker and uh, he is very creative with the puck. He uh, reminds me a lot of Nick Suzuki, uh, but is more refined in certain areas. And yeah, again, I love Nick Suzuki, and Cooley reminds me of him quite a bit, which is why I have him there. And I'm going to be honest, the next three players on my list are all pretty close behind that, those. It was uh, Joachim Kamel, scoring lots of goals in, uh, in Finland. David Yurichek, highest ceiling of all the defenders in the, in the draft class. Very creative offensively. And Frank Nazar, who is like this undersized, but super fast and bulldog of a player that I just love watching in the U.S. NTDP. 
Um, yeah, there's a couple of guys. I'm, I'm a little biased, you know, just real quick, um, you know, because I've seen them live and everything. Anthony Vejo is one of them. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of him. But I mean, um, uh, I know like a lot of people, like looking like, like a team like Gatineau, for example, there's a lot of like really good prospects. Um, everyone seems pretty high on Tristan Luno. Um, I'm not one of those guys to be Me neither. honest with I, you. He's been uh, solid. He's been solid, but I, I don't know. There's always nothing stands out for me personally. I just yeah, I watch I him, and it's like you're you're, you're doing well. I don't see I don't why see would I draft him top two rounds? I don't know exactly. My guy, the, my guy, and this I I know he's probably he's most likely going to drop in the second round unless it's a surprise, and I really hope they have picking him. That's Noah Warren. Um, I think he's a yeah. solid. He's a solid defender. He's a giant man. And who did that despite his size, like he's very quick on his skates. He's got amazing vision. And this is one of, this, this could be one of your classic shutdown defensemen, um, you know, especially, especially on the right side. And pairing, pairing him with a, with a guy like Romanoff. Wow. Oof. I'm, I'm honestly really surprised that he's not higher on a lot of these like more traditional NHL lists because he fits that traditional archetype that NHL like, at like the, the older generation of NHL scouts and GMs just love, right? Of big physical skates well. Yeah, right. I think, I think we're slowly moving on from that. So it might be the new generation. Slow, slowly, but 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 still, like with NHL central scouting and Bob McKenzie's lists, the, this this more traditional mindset, it always shines through in those. Always, always, always. And the fact that Warren isn't there is intriguing to me because again. I see myself as a very like like a very modern outlook on the game, and Warren has like the more traditional like archetype of the player. But I love him because he's just very effective in what he does. And I don't care what your build is or how you play. If you're if you're producing well, if you're if you have a good impact on the game, that's great. And it's why I have Warren above Luno, and why I was very confused why Tristan Luno was number ten on NHL Central Scouting's North American Skaters list because what? Like he was ahead of Frank Nazer and uh, they had Seamus Casey at 32, which is like the equivalent of like end of second round player, which is absurd. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's it, it's a weird list. It's a very, very strange list. I don't I don't get it. But hey, it is what it is. To be continued. Professor Rosa, are you ready to uh, step into your uh, historical chair and uh, amuse us with some fun facts from, from the past? Well, buckle up, boys and girls. This is going to be a big one. <laughs> Take it away, good sir. On this day in Hats history. On this day, January 12th, the year of our Lord, 1918, Joe Malone scored five goals in a 9-4 win against the original Ottawa Senators to become the first goal scorer in NHL history. He would score at least one goal in the Montreal Canadiens' first seven NHL games to reach the feet. On January 12, 1981, Richard Savini recorded a shutout win and with Montreal goalies Michael LaRocque, Denis Heron, and Rick Walmsley already recording shutouts it marked the first time one team had four goaltenders record shutouts in a single season. Born on January 12, 1891, David Ritchie would go on to play for the Habs, but scored the first ever NHL goal on December 19, 1917, a member of the Montreal Wanderers against the Toronto Arenas. In 2001, J.J. Dano played his last any game and only game as a member of the Minnesota Wild. It was significant because since debuting in 1984, he was the second player to play for 10 different NHL teams, one of which being the Canadians. The first player to accomplish this was Michael Petit. Both were drafted Vancouver, 11th overall in 1982 and 10th overall in 1984. They don't hold the record, however. That belongs to Mike Silver, who has traded nine times and played for 12 different teams. And a happy birthday to everyone's favorite Hall of Fame defenseman turned breakfast tycoon, Tim Horton, born January 12, 1930. 
January 13th is the anniversary of the trade that brought Frank Mahovlich to Montreal for Guy Charon, Bill Collins, and Mickey Redmond in 1971. The trade brought brothers Frank and Peter together and brought the Canadians the Stanley Cup. And finally, January 13th, 1886, Art Ross was born. While technically only playing three NHL games for everyone's favorite defunct NHL team, the Montreal Wanderers, whose arena burned down and they promptly fell apart, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame as a player. It's the third lowest games played of any player inducted into the Hall of Fame behind Barney Stanley and Lester Patrick, who only who both only played one game. Ross was known as a part one of the offensive defenseman pioneers, being one of the first defenders to bring the puck up on his own stick instead of passing to the forwards. He led the first pay, first player strike for more pay, developed the modern hockey puck, and changed the hockey net for the better. He spent time as a referee, coach, and general manager, and of course donated the Art Ross fee that goes to the player with the most points in a season. Montreal's Elmer Lack officially won the first Art Ross trophy, but if the trophy existed at the start of the NHL, the first winner would have been Joe Malone. It's kind of ironic that a defenseman gets the honors of being named for the trophy with the with the player with the most points. You know, that's on Bobby Orr. Offensive defenseman right at least. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, <laughs> hey, you guys remember there's um I, I had a little flashback. I mean, first of all, Josh, I, I this is probably my favorite segment of the show. I mean, I always love these historical facts. But I do miss the first, what was it, six or seven episodes where there was always a mention of either Guy Lafleur or Maurice Richard. Um, I mean, you need to you need to bring this like back in any shape or form. Like in, I don't know, like January 12, nineteen eighty nine, Guy Lafleur went out and and had, and had two hot dogs and a poutine at the Belle Province or something. Like I don't know. <laughs> I'll try not to disappoint you next time. All right, man. <laughs> All right, on that note, let's uh, let's have a little fun here. We always like to end the show with a little bit of humor and a little bit of craziness and zaniness and everything. So we um, are going to continue one of those offer conversations that we had, and we are going to talk about the top hockey names of all time and this could like you know it could be as it'd be crazy it could be zany it could be interesting modern old whatever and i'm gonna make john uh mr joshua rosa start uh this little segment so fire away man give me give me one of those give me one of those amazing hockey names um and here's an example i mean like here like in baseball for example there'd be josh outman who's a pitcher by the way so that is just a outstanding but uh in in the hockey realm give us something good man uh, i was always kind of partial to uh martin firk who had a last name with no vowels in it <laughs> rk was his only um uh, another one i like was just ron tugnut that's a good name <laughs> i love tugnut <laughs> that was a classic yes. and then there's the classic uh book boom Jeff Bukaboom. Yeah, yeah. We were mentioning we were mentioning um, Miroslav Shatan or Satan <laughs> earlier as well. That was a pretty cool one. Um, uh, Sebastian. Well, considering I'm always thinking of prospects, I, I'm going to look at like more of like a modern example of names. This is again like my actual selection is Jagger Furcus, who's a draft eligible player this year. And I think it's a tremendous name, Jagger Furcus. Like it's just, it's absurd. Um, but just, he's also from the WHL. The WHL always has these like classic hockey names recently. Like every time, if you want a good time, look at just like the WHL entry draft and look at the names that are selected. Like, like every single time, like, okay, I have a list here of the 2020 WHL Bantam Draft. And the names that came up include two different variations of Aiden. Uh, Cosmo, Coster, Dax, Damien, 
Uh, Deegan, Hoyt, Grayson, Graydon, Grayson with a C, Fox with two X's, it's Easton, Easton, Jaden, Jackson, Jaden, Jason, Job. There's a job. Caden, <laughs> Kalan, Carson, Keelan, Cooper with a K. Um, Maddox with a UX at the end. Oakley, Omen, like in like a good Omen, but that, that that's just the guy's first name. Rowan, Riker, four different Rylands. A Sage, Sawyer, Tate, but spelled T-A-I-T. Talon, Taden, Trey, Truman, Tyson, Van, Walker, Ooh, Z Ev, Z E apostrophe E V. I don't know. I don't know what that is, but like. And we're lastly, de- Zephyr. We're de- we're WHL Zephyr. is tremendous. We're, we're definitely swaying away from the traditional uh, biblical names. Um, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I actually, I, I, I totally forgot about this, and then I, I just had a, um, a huge flash because I was always a big fan of Jonathan Chichu. As Chich- especially as a kid, like the Chicho train. But then uh, I remember in the early 90s, uh, he played for, I believe it was the Red Wings, and maybe even the Rangers at the end of his career. He didn't play very long, just a couple of seasons and, and whatnot. He was um, Swedish, a Swedish defenseman. Now, his first name is spelled P E R, and his last name is pronounced, is spelled, sorry, D J O O S. So he was like per juice, per juice. Juice, per juice, but it was actually pronounced pear juice. Pear juice. <laughs> that one's great. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. And then, of course, you know, you go the more modern ones like, um, yeah, Jonathan Quick is a pretty badass name for a goalie. That's a good name. Uh, Double Z, Zarly Zalapski had he had the amazing nickname of being ZZ Top. On top of that. Um, <laughs> You guys remember Garth Butcher from uh, the uh, 80s and 90s as well. Tony Twist, Nat Dominicelli is another good one. And of course, Carrie Price is a good name. Price is a last name. Good last name. name is just amazing. And of course, you've got classic ones like Clayton Stoner. I don't know if you guys remember Clayton Stoner. (laughs) So from Minnesota Wilds back in the day. Got got Tutu in there too. Jordan Tutu was. Jordan Tutu. Hockey names are great. Hockey names are great. <sighs> I've got a good one from the 50s. Well, he played in the 70s, born in the 50s. Lawrence J. Goodenough. Oh, wow. His last name is Goodenough. You know, that, that's, that's, that's right up there with Bruce Shoebottom. <laughs> and, and Yanni Ninima. <laughs> Yanni Ninima is a great one. Although, also, there's a Colton Yellowhorn. Oh, that's amazing. I guess remember Radic Bunk? Every time he yes, did, of course. Of course, because yeah, every time he did, he do a, a body check, you hear bonk, bonk. <laughs> but, for my... Uh, uh, no, go ahead. Uh, if I was going to pick one for this year, uh, draft eligible names, I might go with Vincennes Roar. Uh, oh, yes. It's, spelled it's, it's, a German, it's a German name. I can do it's this. Stupid. It's the last great. Name, uh, the last I, I, I can actually pronounce Roar. this, unlike others. Vincent Rora is, is the pronunciation in German. But, like, yeah. I, yeah. Honestly, Vincent is easy for me. Rohrer is really tough to pronounce, especially in English. It's like Rohrer. So, like, at, at Ottawa 67's games, the pronunciation of his name is always so funny because everyone's just like, Vinny Rohr. It's like... Okay. His name is basically just like Vinny Roar now, so right, like it's right, like cool. Right. You you want to be you want to be cocky about this, and I, I dare I, I dare Joshua to freaking oh. pronounce this because we have, you know, in Quebec this wonderful long lasting tradition of having double last names, um, ah, sometimes yes. even double first names. But then this this gentleman had the distinguished honor of having a hyphenated first and last name. <laughs> I give you Pierre Luc Le Tourneau Leblanc. That is a tremendous name. It's like six. That miles is about away. as as Quebec as it gets. <laughs> Wait, Pierre Luc Le Tourneau Le Blanc Le Blanc Le yeah. Tourneau Le Tourneau Le Blanc. So imagine an American announcer trying to like, <laughs> you know, announce a goal by him. You know, as being like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the Swedes always have some some good ones in there too. Like, yeah, they're they're but like the Russian names are always the ones that get absolutely butchered by everyone 
Like, oh, yeah. like e- even like this year's draft class. Like I- I- I've seen Josh struggle through a few of these over the last couple of weeks. Ivan, Ivan, Mirosh Nishenko. That was one. Nishenko. Yes. Josh, Josh is just shared this outstanding picture of Larry Goodno. Oh my god. <laughs> it's absolutely spectacular it's oh yeah like uh, it's a beautiful man it's, it's a beautiful man i'm like uh, please post this on our twitter like asap and just, like, <laughs> oh share, of course share, share this with the world this 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 beautiful man anyways gentlemen that's all the time we have for this episode thank you so much uh on behalf of sebastian hi joshua rosa i'm patrick lorty giving a nice little shout out to our other mates Scott, Scott Calwin, Sam Mendelson, and Anthony DeMarco very chilling at home watching yeah right they're not watching the game are you kidding me nobody watches the game anymore they're playing Scrabble or something like that so on that note it was a great pleasure to be here join us next time for another episode of Puck and Roll redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.